I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined once again by the one, the only, a fan favorite, a Locked On Mavs fan favorite, by the way, Kirk Serious Face. What you got, Kirk? New year, new me. Straight up. <laughs> what's uh, what's going to be new about Kirk this year? Nothing, nothing. Just the same idiocy, <laughs> Mavs yelling. Um, hopefully I'll, 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 I think my new year's resolution is to complain less about Deandre Jordan. I think that's a, that's a good place to start, but past that, I'm uh, not a lot new. I, I, am glad that, that we got, uh, you know, that, that rough stretch of games out of the way. And I'm looking forward to Dallas, uh, uh, hopefully climbing above 500 this year. That would be, that would be great for the Mavericks to climb above 500. Cause I don't believe they did it at all last year at all. <laughs> Besides this, like this season, I don't think they did it. Twenty eighteen, beginning of twenty eighteen, no. not at all. So obviously today, what we're gonna get to, and by the way, happy New Year to everybody. This is our first podcast of the New Year, by the way. And uh, man, we're gonna get to the Mavericks versus Thunder game from uh, New Year's Eve. We're not gonna talk about it very much because of how awful it was. And uh, like Kirk said before, we used to hit record <laughs> that Rick just gave up. <laughs> the fourth quarter so uh we'll give up on that game a little bit we won't talk about it too much and then i want to get into some uh new year's resolutions just things that we're looking for for the mavericks to do in the new year you know things that we want to focus on things that we want the team to stop doing uh kirk wants to stop complaining about deandre jordan but i'm sure we'll talk about the things we want deandre jordan to stop doing uh, later in the podcast so all right let's start off right away with the the oklahoma city thunder 122 win over the mavericks last night uh, Mavericks scored 102 points in that game. It just seemed like the Thunder defense, and it started right away, that they just they had control. They, they, Mavericks, how many turnovers did they have last night? They had 26 turnovers. They, I think they had 23 in the first you know, you know, two and a half quarters. Uh, it just their length and their ability to cause the Mavericks to not be able to get off a clean shot or a clean pass in the first quarter just stifled the Mavericks. It was it was really brutal to watch from the get go. I you know part of it, and this may maybe isn't fair, but part of it was the reinsertion of Wesley Matthews into the lineup, uh, the lineup that that Dallas had had played with against the Thunder uh, the night before was was really effective. And I know that that Wes Matthews is apparently a key cog for them, but he seemed to just kind of muck things up a little bit. And then the Thunder also really changed how they were playing Luca. Uh, they started blitzing him fairly regularly, which I think is something he's, you know, he's able to handle, but I don't, I don't think he was really prepared for it. And, you know, he had five turnovers of his own during the game. Some of them weren't his fault, but it was just, it's just really kind of an ugly game from start to finish. And Dallas passed, passed Harrison Barnes, who, you know, becomes like a human flamethrower in the third quarter. Nothing really worked for them. And it was just, it was not a fun game to watch the whole night, you know, Dallas would score four points. You'd think they were going to do something. The Thunder would score four right back, but the margin by that point, the game is already, the Thunder already up by 15 or so. So there really wasn't anything for Dallas to do. And it seemed like those, those points that the Thunder would score coming back were like these massive dunks. It would be like a Jerry and Grant, 
You know, he would catch the ball around half court, take two steps and dunk it. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Those are the kind of plays that the Thunder were getting, you know, after a, a short Mavericks run, like you said. And it just became it just became overwhelming. And it's part of this whole, you know, storyline narrative, this whole disease, I think, that the Mavericks have of just not being able to win games on the road. What are they now? Two and 16. It's the worst record in the NBA. Ooh, I didn't. Gosh, I guess I didn't realize it was quite that bad. It's yeah. terrible. I mean, not even the Knicks, not even the Cavs, not even the Hawks. Not. I mean, they've all won more than two games on the road, and the Mavericks have not yet. Well, it's really exciting because the Mavericks start the year with three straight road games. Hey. <laughs> New 2019 brings, if not anything, but opportunity. I, I, they, they've got to figure out something. You know, that's where I was really pleased to see them win the first Oklahoma game or Oklahoma City game there because – you just had a feeling something like this was coming, not just because it was New Year's Eve, not just because it was the second team in a row. It was also the fact that I think they're like 0-5 on the second end of back-to-backs. Like, yeah. They're just atrocious on, in these sorts of games, and they really need to they, – they, they've got to figure out their rotation. You know, Coach Carlisle is trying lots and lots of things with that second unit, but one of the things that I, that I wrote about and I, I need to understand more is why Dallas insists on these near – hockey lineup changes in the first half Luca plays with the uh with the bench unit for three or four possessions but it almost feels like cardio for him because he'll run up and down the floor three yeah. or four times without seeing the ball then he goes to the bench then in the second half they sub everybody else out around uh the five or six minutes of the third quarter and depending on how coach Carlisle's feeling a starter might not enter the game until six minutes left and it's been really challenging for me watching wondering what they're doing because as as interesting as our bench unit is when things go badly for the Mavericks bench they go really badly and it's kind of hard to really figure out who is like the real culprit because the guys themselves aren't necessarily that good but when they really work well together they're amazing and so it stands it goes to 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 make some some sense when things go badly they just tend to go awfully for the bench but i i just wish that they would figure that that's one thing i need them to figure out over these next you know, 10 to 12 games, you know, put, put some starters in, you know, a little earlier, you know, we got, a, we have a couple of, of guys in their in their early twenties and one and then one of his teens, I think they can play 36 minutes a night and be okay. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, this off season when Luca wasn't playing in summer league, Luca wasn't playing, you know, in, uh, in other things. And the Mavericks were really trying to, to, you know, protect him. And I just wonder if they're trying to do that again. And it's, it's, it's a trend across the whole NBA of playing guys less. I mean, nobody's playing, you know, Shaq played 40 minutes a game one season with the Lakers. It's not guys that do that really anymore. And it's become a, a league wide thing that all minutes are down. I think the Greg Popovich Spurs kind of started that where they, I think they won a title where no player averaged more than 30 minutes a game or something like that. That's true. I do. And I remember those kind of minutes totals. I guess what I'm complaining about is less the minutes totals and more when they're happening, because I would love like I I often scream about Wesley Matthews shooting with the starters because he, he still thinks he's like a second option. I would love to see him get up threes. You know, with JJ kicking out to him off a off a uh, uh, pick and roll, I would love to see Harrison Barnes get a couple of extra shot attempts. You know, running with the second unit as the primary option. These are the sort of things that I think they've got to figure out here and there because you know they have a bunch of players who seem to all play pretty well together. You know, I'm not I've not seen the the uh, plus minus you know depending on lineup, but 
I feel like these guys all all are at least fairly functional together in one form or another because they, you know, the only thing the team's really lacking is wings. But if they're going to play kind of these smaller ball lineups, it doesn't really matter. And that's why I don't understand why you you see just you know f- the same five or six guys, you know, four to five guys rolled out in the same unit night after night after night. And I, I just need to see something a little bit different because teams are really starting to figure out how to defend both the starters and the bench unit for Dallas. Yeah, and it it's this whole stretch has kind of coincided with Dirk's return too, and that kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into this whole thing because it seemed like before Dirk came back, they had the lineups pretty much figured out. Mm-hmm. And they were playing a lot of home games, so that helped. It looked like they're, you know, they were winning a lot, and it just maybe we'll look back at this early stretch of the season and say, well, they were playing a lot of home games, so that made it look like everything they were doing is working. And then as soon as they had to go on the road a little bit, everything just fell apart. Just completely. It does, exploded. and it was also, you know, I think his first game back was against Sacramento, and so you you look back: Sacramento, Denver, Clippers, Golden State, Portland, New Orleans twice, Oklahoma City twice. That's not a fun stretch for anyone, yeah. let alone the 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 league's second oldest player. And you know that that might be a little bit of it. I think if the schedule lightens up at all, which looking at you know January does a little bit. I mean, the problem is the NBA is good, and the Dallas Mavericks are right in the middle of the pack. I I don't know, like the Dirk stuff's a little bit. I kind of want to give it 15 to 20 games before I really, really complain because I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt there. But it, it's it's all that stuff put together. You know, the the Dwight Powell has, has had a really rough past four games because to me, I think whenever the Mavericks play teams that are strong rebounding teams, he's the guy that tends to suffer just because he can't box anybody out or defend anyone. His frame's just not there. And when that basically leaves like Maxi to do all the rebounding off the bench, and that just that's a that's a, a recipe for disaster for Dallas. Yeah, the the Dwight Powell, the trade Dwight Powell, get rid of Dwight Powell is back to you know two years ago levels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's almost back to that. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll uh, keep talking about this game, keep talking about the rotations, and uh, Dennis Smith Jr.'s recent play. All right, Kirk. So in the first game against the Thunder, we saw Dennis Smith Jr. end the game with. Probably, in what I said the other day, is probably the two best plays of his entire career so far. What have you thought about this new Dennis Smith Jr. defense aspect of his game? Because we didn't see that very much at all last year. Now, he didn't really need to. The Mavericks weren't necessarily trying to win games. He wasn't. I don't know if he was asked to become you know, a good defensive player. Carlisle just told him to focus on offense. But what have you thought about this new aspect of Dennis's you know? Playing I re- so I really really like it. Last year, one of the things that drove me nuts was it seemed to he he often got killed by players' first steps, where he you know his foot placement wouldn't be right. He wouldn't really know a player's tendencies. Yeah, I was like he was you know, surprised. He was like, oh, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna try to drive the basket. Oh, every single time this year, that's just not the case. I mean, Paul George is a tall, long player. And he stood. He he's done a. He did a really good job in two games. Whenever he got matched up against him, at least staying, you know, trying to stay in front of him. And for Dennis, that's going to be key if he's going to make an impact, you know, with, in the league. Is because you know he's a little bit smaller of a guy. He doesn't have great wingspan. But if he's able to anticipate and he's able to use his his athletic gifts to stay in front of guys, then that is a big win. I, I just wouldn't have guessed between that and his ridiculous three point shooting. These are two things I, I wouldn't have guessed that he'd improve this rapidly on, but I feel like we have a pretty good sample now. 
And, you know, I, I, I'm really comfortable with it. I'm pretty happy with it. What about you? Yeah, the, the three-point shooting as well. And it seems like he's taking less attempts. I don't have the, the numbers right in front of me, but it just feels like he's not – or his attempts have been more calculated. I guess that's a better way to put well, it. Well, catch and shoot because right. that was what we were raving about last year. The sample size was a little bit small. But this year it feels like there are far fewer attempts where he pounds the ball only to release it unless it's like an end of shot clock and he doesn't have a choice. You know, he caught one last night uh, from Luca. I want to say it was on the left wing. It might have been in the third quarter where he rose and fired from far outside the three-point line. And the shot went in. And not only that, the shot looked good. And there's just something with him. It's almost like he's too athletic to be able to get a good shot off when he's moving with the ball. Because he's just, you know, he's so springy that it's probably hard to get your balance to some degree. But I'm really liking how he's played upon coming back from injury. It's nice to hear, you know, just in relation to some of the trade rumors which have been swirling. Because, you know, I, I've, I think everybody at Mavs Moneyball is on a similar page to where we might, some of us might be Dennis skeptical, but we're not ready to, to move him at all. Yeah, yeah, I think we, we, Isaac and I have been on that same kind of plane. Uh, people will accuse us of other things. We had the uh, the whole Dennis for Mo Bamba debacle, where, <laughs> where uh, I mistakenly named a podcast that, and, and many people got mad. Uh, I had people say that they unsubscribed to the podcast just because I named a podcast Dennis with Junior from Mo Bamba, who says no. <laughs> Apparently, those people. Yeah, I guess those people would. And then. I love I, I love the Dennis you know the the defense I love you know the play that I tweeted out the last you know play against Paul George is getting shared all over the place and a lot of people are quoting it and saying look see look see he can play defense look see he's a good defender and you're just saying yeah he's a good defender now this is not this is not a you know a thing that we've seen before uh, I love seeing that kind of stuff it's kind of funny I feel like those are all the same people that are well and what's really nice is that that game came a day after. You know, he played a good game in the second New Orleans matchup. He played a good overall game. But in the final minute, he took a really, really terrible, unnecessary step back three. And, you know, as you broke down with the final play of the game, he didn't get a shot off. You know, there's various interpretations to what happened there. But to see him bounce back from a game where he held some responsibility to why they didn't win... To see him bounce back like that, the you know the next game was really that's that's the positive sign. You want to see guys bounce back from diversity or from diversity. What's wrong with me? You want to see them bounce back. <laughs> scratch that. Uh, you you want to uh, you want to see them bounce back after bad situations because it's it's so easy to get into a negative funk in the league because yeah. there's so many good players and you play hard teams every day. Yeah, yeah, and there, and. Especially at point guard, especially, you know, being asked to guard, you know, like, okay, tonight you have to guard you know, Drew Holiday, you have to guard, you know, whoever wings that they're playing, and then, all right, next night you have to guard freaking Russell Westbrook. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. you know, on Wednesday you'll have to guard uh, Kemba Walker and then Kyrie, and it's, it just goes on and on and on. It just never really stops for that position. And that's one of the reasons why there's been these, you know, questions of trading Dennis or moving on from Dennis is because, you know, Dennis can be – as best as he can be right now, but he's not going to be a you know a top tier point guard uh, this season. He's it's going to take some more time for him to get that way. And it's just you look at the stretch of guys he's going to have to play against, and you're like, man, well, <laughs> kind of makes sense that people would want to try to you know move on and upgrade in that position. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, so Dennis's play has been been encouraging. We've seen that, uh, and it's glad to see him move up and be you know a better shooter and a better defender. The turnovers, though, from from him, these last, especially these last couple of games, have just been. We've seen the the very good and the very bad of Dennis Smith Jr. I think over the last couple of games. Now he, we can. How much can you say he's still coming back? He's still you're know, trying to get back into it. I don't know. It's been it's been what four games now, uh, right? Since he's been back from the wrist injury. But what do you think about these whole? You know, Dennis takes the ball and he kind of drives and just completely turns it over. It goes off his foot. It goes off another player. He tries to you know do his ISO thing and just turns it over. It seems like over the last couple of games it's been worse than it was at the beginning of the season. Am I wrong about that? Well, it's so challenging to assess Dennis in the offensive end when he is the initiator of the play because Luca is so much better. It comes so naturally to him. I don't think that Dennis Smith has ever really had to run an offense until he had, he got to the NBA. You know, Rick Carlisle likes to micromanage. Uh, he calls a lot of plays. He doesn't let them, you know, play at the pace. I think we'd like, and so when Dennis is the play initiator, he telegraphs stuff. He's not alone there. Harrison yeah. Barnes and Wes Matthews do the same thing. You know, you got guys that are they look for that they're they're like quarterbacks who look for the first read and don't know how to you don't know how to progress to the second option. And that's really Dennis's problem on a lot of these turnovers lately. Both New Orleans and the Thunder have the type of defenders to fluster him, you know, because they're all uh they're so rangy. But it was it's it's a little bit challenging for me because I almost don't want to see Dennis play point guard. I want to see him on the floor, but I, I don't want to see him initiate plays unless it's every now and again because it it's so it's 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 almost like you can tell what he's gonna do watching the game. And if we can tell, you know the defenders can tell. And the turnovers are just really rough because live ball turnovers are a disaster. You can deal with dead ball turnovers, the travels, the you know, DeAndre Jordan offensive fouls. Shout out to that guy having six turnovers last night. <laughs> but it's it's the it's Artie the ones breaking, that, Ar- Kirk already breaking his New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the ones that happen in the you know where he will he'll attempt to throw across you know a pass to the corner and the guy just reads it and picks it off or like you said like he throws it at somebody's feet. Those are the ones where I just I don't understand what he's seeing and that's where either we have to be more patient as fans. Or the Mavericks really need to get him to understand that his best option is kind of as the the secondary playmaker who should you know score off of you know side pick and rolls and things like that. I I just don't see it for him right now. Now that could change, but it's it's been rough this year unless unless they're playing a bad defensive team. Yeah, and it's all about the the speed of the development. You know, like you said, either fans need to, to chill out and not expect him to become you know we, we've seen Luca do all these incredible things we talked about Luca do all these incredible things and then you see Dennis who's on sort of a normal track of of development and you, mm-hmm. you can't grade him on a curve because of how Luca has come in and and played uh, it's just not fair to him it's not fair to where he's come from his development uh, the track that they've took in their development has been so incredibly different if you just compare and contrast them from Dennis coming up and being you know, the guy on his AAU team, on the NC State team, and then even last year on the Mavericks team where he was with these these same guys, but he was asked to do a whole lot and he was, you know, able to do a whole lot. Whereas Luca kind of had to he had to grow into it. He wasn't given really anything because he came into you know, the Real Madrid as a thirteen, you know, fourteen, fifteen year old 
and was like, all right, earn your spot. You have guys in front of you that have done you know so much more and have you know more hair on their chest, and, you know, like some some quite literally, and you know done all these things, and he had to earn it, and he had to you know limit his turnovers and limit you know these things, and and so we're just it, it's hard to compare and contrast in that way. Uh, and Luca just plays under such control. Sometimes, at- some. I mean, Luca had five turnovers last night. When True. turnovers come for him, they seem to come in a flood. And it's it's. I we have to be. You know, me as like like a a, a freaking Luca fanboy. I need to be a little bit more critical of the kind of turnovers he you know gets away with, like that that he commits on the floor because some of, he's got a lot better about the ones that were really like the traveling turnovers at the beginning of the year. But it's it's he's yeah. such a good passer when he does the cross court ones where it's like you want to forgive these these accidental ones now and again compared to Dennis. Yeah, I did a breakdown of his turnovers. I think I did it maybe a month ago, uh, and he got mm-hmm. his he got his first travel against what was the, the Pelicans game or the or the last Thunder game. Uh, his first travel since that video. I don't think he's gotten a travel since then. Oh wow! It's kind of amazing how that's changed. Even follow I think mentioned it. Yeah, I did that video a month ago. And he got his first travel the other night since then. So he's he's really cleaned that up. But a lot of his turnovers just seem to be these these passes where he had a pass the other night where it's this, you know, one handed sling pass to Harrison Barnes in the corner and he stepped too far, you know, to the right instead of going to the left, or you know, just passes overhead. And a lot of them seem off of passes instead of just off of dribbles. So that's kind of where the difference between those two are. But they do both have to, to limit their turnovers. And as long as we're talking about turnovers, good lord, DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> you wanna just you want to just completely break your New Year's resolution, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do with him. I mean, he he hasn't had like last night was the fourth game in a row where he's had three or more turnovers. He went through a stretch, a, a few game stretch where he wasn't atrocious, but this is this sort of thing is getting crazy. He doesn't get the ball enough to have these kind of turnover issues, and yet he just has. You know, you want to forgive the offensive foul ones because those often happen either on rebounds or like the loose ball foul ones or the the offensive foul turnovers where he's setting a screen and rolling. And sometimes like those sorts of turnovers are often the ball handler's fault because they're not coming off the screen at the appropriate angle. And so he's having to nudge and try to move a little bit and things like that. Those you kind of want to run away from. But there was one in the Thunder game, I'm not sure if you saw it, where he somehow got the ball near the free throw line on a fast break and threw the ball to the corner to no one. And meanwhile, like, Luca's trailing over his right shoulder, kind of screaming for the ball. And it's like, guys, what are we doing? He had, you know, I, I criticized him in my in my recap where I said, you know, I feel like he is the kind of guy who gets the rebound and then makes a it's like there's a, a program in his head where he has to figure out who he's going to outlet the ball to. He does that a lot. And then when he you know, other times he'll make a wild decision and try to throw it to somebody 15 feet up the court and that in the turnovers like that. I just I really don't understand how we're at this point in the season with like 34 games and he's still making these kind of passes. You know, uh, the, the Maz broadcast team loves his passing and they <laughs> are wrong. They're wrong. I, I like Dondre. I want to tell, you know, I, I want to, I want him to stay. I really think they should resign him as much as I criticize him. But the things which he is good at is being a black hole rebounder and being an enormous human being. 
He is not Wilt Chamberlain, and these kind of passes need to stop. Yeah, did you hear uh, Derek Harper the other day say that if he's not, if he's, if there's a better bas- passing big man in the league, let me know. Oh yeah, he, he also did that in the Nuggets game when they were playing against Jokic. <laughs> it, it, it's like Harp, so come on, you're you're the man. I love you, but, but no. <laughs> oh man, listening to uh, listening to a lot of you know. Uh, local broadcasters, it's funny to hear how little they watch other teams. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're lucky. The Mavs broadcast team is very good. It's just that's what makes those sorts of things stand out. Right. Because it was so funny at the time when you're like, he said that? Yeah. But, it, you know, it is what it is with the turnovers. I think they will eventually clean this up to a certain degree. But, I mean, the two, the three main culprits are always Luca, Dennis, and DeAndre and you just can't have all three of those guys with multi turnover games yeah and and those two DeAndre and Luca are the reason why the Mavericks have gone from the best turnover team last season to one of the worst turnover teams this season well and pace too because Carlisle was you know basically not letting them run at all but that's largely it yes yeah all right let's take another break when we come back let's look forward let's look at the Mavericks season coming up and look at some things we want the Mavs to focus on All right, Kirk, so looking forward, like you said, the Mavericks have three games on the road coming up. Wednesday at Charlotte against Kemba Walker and the Hornets. Friday at Boston, and then Saturday at the Sixers. Um, Looking forward to just those three games on the road, what would you like to see from the Mavericks coming up in the the immediate future? Ooh, uh, if it's a road game, since it's a three-game road trip, I would love to see them finish two and one. Um, I think that all three of these teams are very beatable with how Dallas plays. Uh, the the Hornets are going to be a little bit, a bit of a problem depending on matchups just because Kimball Walker is the kind of guy who can absolutely light Dallas up. Yeah. And they're going to have to stay on top of that. I really think that they can beat Boston again, too. Because as, as, as much talent as Boston has... Luca drove them crazy last yeah. game. I mean, that was that was one of my favorite games of the year just because they kept attacking Luca with different guys. Luca answered right back. You know, Jalen Brown hurt himself in that game. Um, it was it was really interesting. And and the Sixers have tons of length, but they have zero depth. And I think that you know it's another team who we who the Mavericks haven't faced yet. And I think that both Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons are going to bring it and, and try to take it to Luka. And this is a game where, you know, with how the, the respect Luka has been getting from the referees, where Dallas could get the, the Sixers in foul trouble. And and this could be, you know, that, that really strikes me as the type of game that Dallas could somehow, you know, I don't want to say run away with, but it, it, it's possible depending on, you know, how, how they're feeling on this road trip. I can't remember... Uh, is is the Sixers game? I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm sorry. The Sixers game is on the second night of a back to back. Of yeah, course that, it is. Yeah, that back so to back Boston and Philly is that's tough. That's tough. So if if the Mavericks could start 2018 with a a you know pair of road wins against the the Hornets and the Celtics, that would be kind of the the best possible outcome for me. Obviously, three and zero is nice, but I just don't see that as happening. Yeah, and that Boston game is an ESPN game, so national TV game. National TV, Luca. It's, That's uh, exciting. It's a match made in heaven, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I would love to see you know two and one on this road trip, especially 
but you know what? I would almost rather the Mavericks win that Philly game and just get this monkey off their back of losing the second night of a back-to-back because I think that they are, what are they now, 0-6, 0-5 now on second night of back-to-backs? Mm-hmm. It seems like every single loss <laughs> is uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. They just can't get that off their backs, uh, pun intended. So looking forward to that. What do you think about, you know, looking even for, further than that, the trade deadline coming up in, into moves? What kind of moves would you like to see the Mavericks make? You don't have to really name names or anything, but what kinds of things? There was a, um, a blurb from uh, Michael Scotto of The Athletic saying that the Mavericks have expressed interest in Otto Porter from the Wizards now that John Wall is going to be out for the season. That team is now one of the worst teams in the NBA Again, <laughs> they've kind mm-hmm. of fallen back into that. Um, what kinds of things would you like to see from the Mavericks player movement-wise? or what kinds of? It's a great question. So the Mavs historian in me wants them to take on players, you know, take on talent like, uh, like, uh, like an auto porter in order to kind of clear, you know, get, take the potential cap space, which is on the horizon for Dallas, and fill it with talent via trades. That's what, that's what the historian in me wants because – I've, in all my time, I can't remember the Mavericks ever really walking away from free agency as winners in the way they wanted to be. But I noticed that uh, uh, Dan Devine of TheRinger.com wrote a you know five players to watch for in 2019. He had two two player blurbs at the end that weren't included. One of those were was about Luka Doncic and how he felt that if the Mavericks continue to play this way and if Luka continues to play this way players may actually want to come play with him. Now, I'm a little bit skeptical of that for reasons that have to do with youth, which have to do with, really, I think Luke is going to become like one of the NBA premier heels over the next couple of years. But I, I, I still like that there are people who know things and, and, are in, and are out there thinking these sorts of things. So I really, on the other hand, I don't know if I want Dallas to make any moves at all. You know, because... I remember I looked back at some of our, our our season previews for Dallas, and even kind of the most optimistic among the Mavs Moneyball crew was <laughs> who at know, the time is no longer with Mavs Moneyball. <laughs> well, but even Dal- you know Dalton of, of <laughs> DallasBasketball.com, you know he probably would have predicted about five hundred in his wildest dreams. But even two games under five hundred, most of us would have looked at that you know on October fifteenth and said, "Heck yes." The fact that we're all whining about the fact that Dallas isn't above 500 <laughs> shows just how much the needle has moved yeah. in two months. So that's, you know, I, I I don't want to put the cart before the horse with where Dallas is going because, you know, rebuilds just don't happen overnight. So I'm really kind of torn between whether I want them to, to uh, you know, trade for players or just stand pat. What about you? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. If you look at, like, specifically the Otto Porter Jr. trade, if you send – like Wes and Dwight Powell, if you just, if you make that move. So the, the wizards get off of some salary. Wes is going to be a free agent this summer. Dwight Powell is a player option, but they also need bigs that are viable uh, and playable instead of, you know, some of the guys they're trotting out there. And then for the Mavericks, they get, you know, a young guy, young wing that can play with Luca. He can play with pretty much everybody on the Mavericks team, um, brings them some wing depth that they desperately need. And if you look at a trade like that, you're, you're asking yourself, like you said, you're, you're, like taking away some space this summer, which they've been very adamant. The Mavericks have been so adamant in keeping that space open, signing DeAndre to the one-year deal, signing, you know, these guys specifically to these. Um, and I think they even went back and signed some of these deals to, 
allow them to be open for this summer. You know, even Pat, even before they they drafted Luca, I just feel like this has been kind of the plan. That all right, we'll get two guys. We'll you know whoever it's Dennis now, and then whoever we're going to get in the draft, and then we'll have all this space to be able to add. I think they even thought that far ahead. Um, Maybe. And so to to take all that away now i don't i don't see them doing that i kind of want them to i kind of want to make a move but that's that's maybe the selfish initiative of let's try to to make something happen now and the west is just so it's so tight right now and it's also when it's so tight it's also so wide open you know you three games slide all of a sudden you go from what eighth to 14th <laughs> you just, mm-hmm. you just completely fall off the map there's a real there's a real chance that dallas finishes at 500 and misses the playoffs that's yeah. you know, and and that's just you know, we were on the the Mavericks were on the the middle top tier of of the West for so long that we never really thought about any of this because Dallas is winning fifty games year after year after year. But there's one year where I feel like the Suns won forty five or more games and didn't make the playoffs, and yeah. that was kind of the beginning of the end for 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 the team you know that that's ended up in in the in the doldrums like they are now, and it's it's just. You don't want to make moves too quickly because, you know, you get these guys on rookie deals and you have to start paying them. You know, we have a, a minimum if they decide to stick with Dennis Smith Jr., they have six seasons after this with him, assuming they can lock him up to a deal. You got seven with with Luca before you have to really figure out what, what you want to do with him. And that seems like a long time. But as we've seen with like Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. Years go by in a hurry, and all of a sudden you can just not have any talent, and you're in the middle of a disaster that you're trying to triage. So, so I, I think Dallas needs to be very, very careful because with the way that the salary cap's been been going up and then plateauing, you know, there's a ton of guys on the free agent market this year, and you know, you look through their talent levels, and like, I don't know about you, but I'm not really sold on anybody that I think would be a realistic option for Dallas. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago, Isaac and I did a, a walkthrough of the, you know, a way too early look at the 2019 free agent class, and we got we got to the end, and we were like, hmm, maybe they can get Willie Colley Stein. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, dang it, that's not it's not as exciting as we thought it was going to be going into this, you know, thought exercise. So I think I'm with you on that. And so then you're trying to to make these moves, and you don't want to waste Luca's rookie, you know, his rookie scale. Um, like his his rookie salary because it's a very small portion of the cap now he's he's uh, a very big percentage of their talent and with that disparity you look at it and say okay now we this is the time that we have space now to put some guys around uh, I think in the, in the NFL I think the top six quarterbacks that make the uh, the most money didn't make the playoffs this year and so you look at the way that that's trended in the NFL where uh, you know if you have a quarterback on a rookie deal or on a smaller deal, you can make a bunch of other moves. I think it's the same for NBA players and superstars. If you have a superstar that's on this, you know, limited deal, they have to be so much better. They have to be, you know, Braun, Durant, you know, Curry to be able to overcome that, that massive, you know, salary cap hit. Yep. And so, uh, so man, it, you do have to tread lightly, but you also don't want to waste opportunities now. Um, but also, you know, what would being in the playoffs mean for Luca? Would he be that much better? Would he get better? I think it would help Dennis a lot, but I don't know how much that would help Luca. <laughs> I think I who was it? I want to say it was Jonathan Sharks who who said that he sort of hopes that that the Mavericks make the playoffs just so Luca can see what sort of physical shape he needs to commit himself to. Interesting. Uh because, you know, 
uh, we've seen like massive improvements in his in his you know physical appearance. I mean, you know, he went from wearing sleeves to not wearing sleeves for a reason, guys. Uh, and, <laughs> That's an excellent point. And you know, like the kind of cardiovascular shape he needs to be in. I mean, shoot, we've seen this with with MVP James Harden in in yeah. terms of you know just the the kind of shape you need to be in and just how long that takes because. You know, if he if if any any time the Mavericks make the playoffs, if they do, if we're lucky to get in the playoffs the next two or three years, Luke is going to be playing forty two to forty three minutes a night, which you know that that takes a toll on you physically. So that's an upside, but past that, there's really not a lot other than maybe getting Dirk a nice playoff send off. But for the long term, I don't really see a lot of benefit for Dallas. You know, in order to like just to to make it to make it, I'd like to see it but i don't think it's imperative to the development of the team yeah yeah to make it and leverage the future you know just to make it this year i don't think is, is worth yes. it. that was my whole point in that so all right well there you go kirk any final thoughts looking into the new year looking into 2019 for the mavericks for yourself for Mavs Moneyball? uh for for me don't ever take me too seriously i am having a whole lot of fun with this i think we all are and it's something where this is really the the part of the uh, you know the the team cycle life cycle of a team that's the most fun because we shouldn't have any expectations right now. We're getting to watch a great young player. You know, we're seeing a franchise legend still getting to play. And if they win basketball games, you know, all the better. But if they don't, you know, this is the most fun I've had watching uh, Mavs basketball since that you know Mavs Spurs playoff series several years ago. So. You know, you got to enjoy it while you can. Enjoy it. Don't take things too seriously. That's a, that's good. That's a good. It's good life advice mm. from a guy that's seen a lot. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Thanks for another great year, and we're starting a great 2019. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Yeah. Good. So now you can go to bed early. <laughs> yeah.